Voice of San Diego podcasts are sponsored by the Bob Nelson Charitable Fund, honoring the San Diego Harbor Police Foundation. Welcome to a bonus episode of the Voice of San Diego podcast. I'm Andrew Keats, assistant editor at Voice of San Diego. If you haven't heard, we hosted PolitiFest this weekend at the University of San Diego. It was our biggest event of the year and featured several important discussions about housing, transit, and homelessness. We owe a big thanks to everyone who attended and those who helped us pull it off. For this episode, we bring you a panel that I hosted all about transit in the West. I was joined by Sandag Executive Director Hassan Akrata, City Council President Georgette Gomez, MTS CEO Paul Jablonski, and Mayor of Coronado, Richard Bailey. Enjoy. Hello, good morning. Um, Okay, so this is Transit in the West. Um, I'll start by just introducing our panel, which I'm really happy about. I think we have... uh, Is this on? on? Hello, hello, great. How about this one? This one better? Okay. We'll use that one. Okay, so this is Transit in the West. I'm really excited about this panel because of the panelists. So let me just get my part out of the way and we'll listen to them talk as much as possible instead of me. Um, So first, introductions. Starting to my immediate right here, we have Paul Jablonski. He's a longtime executive at the Metropolitan Transit System. Uh, MTS, which is in a very interesting time for the agency right now, pursuing potentially a ballot measure, which could be on the 2020 uh, ballot to raise taxes for transit, which would be the first transit-only tax measure in San Diego County's history. Uh, Next to him, we have the new director of Sandag, who has been in town quietly for the last few months. He's uh, not been the type of guy who's made any sort of profile or said anything that was new or different to anybody. Um, he ca- came to us from the Southern California Association of Governments, SCAG, which may have us beat in the uh, insane dem- uh, uh, agency uh, nicknames. Uh, next to him is Coronado Mayor Richard Bailey. Uh, Mayor Bailey was uh, elected in 2016 and since then has, has really, I think, um, taken a, a leadership role on Sandag. He has been uh, very outspoken on some specific projects that the agency was pursuing and some big picture uh, issues related to the scandal that the agency went through uh, right around that same time um, and which in many ways led to uh, Hassan being here. And next to him is City Council President Georgette Gomez, who has very little going on in her life right now. Uh, uh, so City Council President Georgette Gomez, I, I met and got to know, uh, boy, like eight years ago now, um, back when she was an uh, activist and an advocate uh, around environmental justice and social justice issues. And she's now running for Congress. Uh, she is the president of the San Diego City Council and until very, very recently was also the chair of the Metropolitan Transit System. Um, so, as you can see, I think we've got uh, a, a breadth of, of perspectives on, the, on these issues. And so, so, what is the issue? What are we here to talk about? Uh, transit in the West. The idea is, and the, uh, the premise of the panel, is that cities that don't have the classic, compact, dense nature of New York City or London or Paris present basically a math problem for transit. At least that's the idea. There aren't enough people in close proximity that you can affordably run frequent transit in a way that makes it an, a viable option in their daily lives. Does that include San Diego? How do we fix it? What can re- we reasonably do given the constraints in place? And why is this important? That is basically what I hope we get through today. Um, so before we do though, I want to give you a few numbers uh, just for some context. Transit use in San Diego. Well, New York is the king of transit in, in the United States. 31% of the metro area commutes by transit. That would probably be even higher in the, the city of New York, but that's the entire metro area. Um, the other places that do well are classic, dense, compact cities. Chicago, 12.1%. San Francisco, 17%. DC and Boston are both at 
And then out west, it's tough. San Diego, 2.6% of people commute by transit. Houston, it's just 2%. Dallas, 1.3%. LA does a little bit better than us, but not much, 4.8%. Phoenix, even worse, 1.8%. But there is a success story in, in the West, in these cities that were built a little bit later, and so they were built with a car in mind in a lot of ways. Seattle, 10.7% of people in Seattle commute by transit. And just a few more data points that I think are, are illustrative of where San Diego is in this. Uh, the economist Jed Kolko did a, a pretty interesting study, I thought. He attempted to quantify what percent of different cities were suburban in nature versus urban in nature. Um, he, he had an interesting methodology to do that. But what his findings were is that there were just three of the 10 largest cities in America that were more suburban in nature than they were urban. Those three cities, San Diego, Phoenix, and San Antonio. They're just not that urban of a place right now. And the last one was a, a study for a few years ago from UC Berkeley that was widely mischaracterized when it first came out here in San Diego. Um, a lot of the news reports that first day said that the study had concluded that San Diego had the worst transit system in California. It's not what it said. What it said was that the San Diego metro area as a whole had done the worst job in all of California of concentrating dense, transit-focused, walkable, walkable uh, development near transit. So the system may be okay, but our job of building around that system in a way that allowed people to actually use it, that's where the failure was. So, all of that is context. I want to start with, with Paul. You've been running MTS for, for years now. Help us understand from your perspective, what are the obstacles? What is it about San Diego, the way it's developed, the way it's been developed historically, uh, it, the geography of, this, of the region? What is it that is difficult about providing transit in San Diego? Oh, <clears throat> a couple of things. One of them is the geography. And it's increasingly becoming more important, especially with uh, housing issues. And so we're seeing people move further south and further east to places where they can afford, yet jobs are staying in the northwest between Sorrento Valley and UTC. And so some of these commutes to get to a job at UTC or Sorrento from uh, down in South Bay are over 30 miles long. Uh, you don't have those kind of distances, for example, in Boston. Uh, those urbanized areas are very dense. So we've got those challenges. Uh, but another one is just funding and just the commitment to transit in this community, uh, especially compared to Los Angeles and San Francisco. If you look at how transit is funded in San Diego and the local sales tax is Transnet, we get, uh, uh, we get a third of that Transnet tax. The other third is for local streets and roads and the other third is for highways. We get a third, we split that, so a third of a half is a sixth. We split it with North County Transit, so we get about an eighth of a cent. LA gets two full pennies. Uh, the Bay Area gets a penny and a half. I mean, even if we were to add a half cent sales tax onto that, we would more than double in size. Um, and, and, and that's probably pretty close to what we need it, it, to start to change this system from the way I describe it as a lot of service on the street to go locally. But the biggest complaint that you hear is that you know, I, I live in East County or I live in the eastern part of Chula Vista and it would take me an hour and a half to get there by transit and it takes me a half an hour to get by car. Uh, we've gotta change that. We've gotta change the system to be longer stretched and faster operating, more frequent and faster and to where people wanna go. One of those things that we've been talking about is how we use the highways differently. Right now, right now there are no plans to add general purpose lanes to the highways. If you travel in the morning and you see I-8, or, or I, I should say 805 north of the 8, you see the 52, you see the 5 coming north, uh, they're all going up to UTC and Sorrento. 49% of everybody coming out of South Bay and the 5 is going to UTC and Sorrento. We've got to get buses on those highways, not going 10 or 15 miles an hour like we see traffic, but we've got to start either using the shoulders 
to create general purpose lanes for transit out of those where we can use guided bus technology and go 55 or 60 miles an hour, or we start to use contraflow lanes where we go onto the, on a southbound lane to go north and then go at, 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 at real speeds where we can compete with the automobile. But that's the big change that we need. Uh, we, we need to be able to start to go longer distances in this community to access people to not only jobs, but educational opportunities. Hassan, you have sounded a very optimistic tone since you've came here, and you've frequently expressed frustration about the San Diego mindset that um, has, has attempted to discourage some big ideas and saying, well, you, don't you know things don't get done here? Why is it that you think San Diego is actually suited for this sort of transformative shift towards transit that you've been talking about? Thank you, Andy, and good morning to all of you. Okay, can I? I said thank you, Andy, and good yeah, morning yeah. to all of you. <laughs> so I, uh, I have to be very careful what I say. Because, because at the next board meeting, somebody is going to say, well, you were at a meeting, and you said this. Your board would, would take I have exception to something you, you said? I don't know, Hassan. <laughs> I'm going to say what I will always say, the truth, because the truth should matter. I agree with everything Paul said. We oftentimes hear the argument. Well, why do you want to invest in transit when the transit doesn't work? Let's think about that. If a trip that should take 20 minutes driving is going to take you two hours, that's absolutely transit doesn't work. But if I want transit to work, how do I make that 20-hour trip in the car take me 20, hour, uh, 20 minutes or less in the transit? The only time transit is going to work if it's going to compete with the automobile. Fast, convenient, frequent. I believe very strongly, if you look, and our chief economist uh, spoke earlier, Ray Major, he's sitting right there. If you look at the San Diego map, one-third of San Diegans live and work in the one central western part of the region. I do, and by the way, when you think about planning for transit, don't think just today. You have a future and a future generation that have different attitude about transit. And so when, when, when you hear the argument transit doesn't work, sure, because we're not investing in it. If I'm going to make a trip that takes 20 minutes in the car, take two hours, that means I'm not investing at all in transit. So therefore, I shouldn't be judging it. But transit works if you make it competitive with the automobile. So I, Andy, I would say the five big moves that Sandag is promoting right now is about a balanced system that provides state-of-the-art transit system that's fast. And yes, subways and commuter rail system, not just a system that go 40 miles an hour, but system that go 80 and 90 miles an hour. And yes, system that go much more frequently. And yes, the public should willingly pay for it. Paul is right. When you get one eighth of a sense, you shouldn't expect a lot to happen. That's why I strongly support MTS major the transit only measure. There is example of where actually Seattle was like us a few years back. They're, they're almost the same size, 3.7 million people. They're spread out. They, they put $54 billion on the table to build the system. Now, they're the only transit in the Western United States that didn't go down. Therefore, I believe what Sandag doing with our partners and the five big moves for a balanced system and a heavy investment in transit. And what we call it uh, a state-of-the-art transit, but also flexible transit, flexible fleet, a next operating system where technology is deployed to help, is the right thing to do for the region. And you have really to convince me otherwise. And that just the, the idea that, oh, it's going to be too expensive and too difficult. You mentioned the San Diego attitude. That's true. Every time I made a presentation, the first thing people say, oh my God, this is going to take a long time, it's too expensive. Well, does that mean we shouldn't do it? 
we should strive for the greatest system in the world. And I believe we can do it. I believe we have a chance to do it. But we're not going to do it if we just stop saying. And, and oftentimes I hear, and this is where uh, Paul and I need to, to work on this. A lot of time here, so, well, you know, let us do a short-term fix. This is the problem. The short-term fix becomes a permanent fix in San Diego. Don't go for cheap and easy. Do it right. I believe you will be glad, the future generation will be glad that you've done something right. There is something to do it right, we can start tomorrow. If, if MTS, which hopefully they are successful in their measure, we could start tomorrow building things that give San Diegans the benefit. All right, so there's a lot of stuff we'll, we'll come back to over the course of the panel. Uh, very briefly, I want to um, give everybody, so everyone's on the same page, quickest elevator pitch you've got for what the five big moves is, so everybody in the room knows. Okay, so the five big moves is what's going to become the new regional transportation plan for San Diego County. Governor Newsom just signed a bill for us, gave us a two-year relief. Our board yesterday approved the federal update, so the region is, uh, uh, does not have any risk. The five big moves is about a transportation system that starts with complete corridors. Every corridor in San Diego County, and there is 12 of them, should have all choices for people. We can't force people to take a mode. This is a free uh, market economy. But provide the choices. So if, you, if you're going on the five, you should have a good uh, experience to drive, you should have a good experience of taking the coaster, and you buy a Corwalk if you want to shorter distance. Same thing in the 805, same thing in the 52, on the 78. So we're gonna take every corridor and make it complete corridor. That's the first move. Second move, transit leap. Make it transit work. Make it fast, convenient, and safe. Overcome the perception that oh, the transit is just for poor, poor, uh, poor people. Transit is for all of us, and be willing to pay for it. And the third move is what we call the flexible fleet. We have a couple of uh, pilots right now in Carlsbad, shuttles with an app. You're sitting in your office, you wanna go to lunch, you didn't bring your car. You push the app, the shuttle will come, take you to your lunch, bring you back for $2.50. Obviously, it's subsidized. Or you wanna go to ride the, 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 the trolley, the shuttle will take you there. It's uh, technology-driven. That's complete, that's third move, the flexible fleet, hopefully in the future will be autonomous, electric neighborhood vehicle to get you within three or four miles and to get you to and from the bus station. The fourth big move uh, is uh, what, uh, that's the fourth big move, the flexible fleet, the mobility hubs. Right now you know that we're working with the United States Navy. We signed the Memorandum of Understanding. Nobody thought this was possible in six months to build the largest transportation hub in California, maybe the states, where you have transit, housing, thousands and thousands of housing units, retail, uh, walkable places, places to drop and pick up people, not a lot of parking structures. So people are gonna live, work, and commute from there, and a people connector to the airport. That's a mobility hub. That's a hub where people could come, entertain, live, work, or take a mode of transportation of their choice to get from A to B. And the last is the next operating system, the brains of the system. How does the system work together? How we can communicate with the individual users? How the individual user communicate with others? How the connected technology is gonna work? How autonomous vehicles are gonna change the world? These five big moves is gonna become our next regional transportation plan. If the board of directors move it and San Diego is willing to pay for it, I believe we will have the best transportation system in the world. All right, Mayor Bailey, you've been uh, quite critical of uh, the level of transit spending, uh, quite, quite different than what we've heard so far, that, that it's too high, the, the exact opposite. Uh, tell me a little bit about your perspective. You wrote an, an op-ed for us at, at Voice saying, uh, it's time for this money to go to highways. Let's, that's what most people use, let's spend it on highways. Uh, I, I don't want, so that we make sure I don't mischaracterize your perspective at any point today. What is it? What, what do you think we need to be doing about transportation in the region? Well, first of all, I think in order to advance this conversation, we really need to reevaluate how we uh, characterize transit. Historically, the conversation is always centered around uh, highways, 
versus uh, government-sponsored transit, MTS, NCTD. Uh, but really, when you look at the definition of transit, the definition of transit is simply the movement of goods and people from point A to point B. Uh, so if any of you drove here in a car today, you engaged in transit. That's a form of transit. So when I think of our overall uh, transportation system in San Diego County, my objective as a board member on SANDAG is to make sure that we're providing, we're putting our resources to the highest and best use possible to move people around in the most efficient and economical way possible. And I think one of the questions we have to ask ourselves is, well, how has our current spending been working for us? Um, as Andrew mentioned earlier, we've actually been seeing a reduction in transit ridership uh, over the years, uh, despite the fact that 55% of all of our local transportation tax dollars have been spent uh, on government-sponsored transit, so buses and trolleys. When you look at the financials of MTS and NCTD, what you'll see is that uh, we subsidize, taxpayers overall nationwide subsidize our transit operations to the tune of about $1 billion over a span of every three years. Transit, government-sponsored transit, is very, very expensive. Um, Hassan had mentioned a, a pilot program that is being taken on up in Carlsbad where uh, users of this pilot program will be able to open up their smartphone, press an app, and uh, a subsidized uh, car share vehicle will come pick them up and take them to where they want to go. Uh, that sounds to me like a lot like Uber and Lyft. I'm not quite sure why we as Sandag feels that we would have an innovative edge uh, over services like Uber and Lyft. Um, so when I think of the San Diego region, I think we are certainly unique. And the question that Andrew uh, began with was, you know, that this is a, a simple uh, economic constraints problem, right? This is a math problem. And our problem here in San Diego County uh, will have a different solution than every other region in the country because we are inherently different. Just like uh, Boston is unique to Boston, Seattle is unique to Seattle. Uh, for, the, for the sake of this discussion, when we talk about the level of population density that's required to support a transit system like you experience in, like you can see in New York, uh, the Manhattan borough is, is home to 1.7 million people. That's the same size, the geographic size, of Encinitas. That's the type of population density that would be required uh, to support that level of government-sponsored uh, transit. And on the, once again, on the financial side, uh, to put things in perspective, that $2.25 one-way bus fare uh, that we currently charge would actually need to be closer to $10, or excuse me, uh, nine or ten dollars to actually sustain the transit system uh, financially. So I think a lot of us when we think of transit, we we think of trains and we think of buses, but we don't necessarily think of uh, just how expensive it really is. Uh, so what, what I would propose is that we simply evaluate these projects based on, well, what is the most efficient and economical way to move people from point A to point B? Uh, Hassan alluded to the fact that the vast majority of riders that take uh, government-sponsored transit are transit-dependent, right? About 70% of all transit riders are transit-dependent. And transit, from an economic perspective, is what's known as an inferior good, meaning that as people's economic conditions improve, people move away from government-sponsored transit and they move towards uh, the automobile because it's more efficient and economical and better use of their time to get around. Um, so, you know, these are the, I, I really believe that this is how we should be viewing these programs. And so in terms of a pilot program, what I would be really excited to see is if we were to take some of our uh, lower performing bus routes and offer, offer uh, some type of uh, voucher system to individuals that are currently taking those routes, partner with Uber and Lyft. It would potentially provide a cost savings to taxpayers while also moving people around our county in a more efficient manner that would be, make better use of their time. Uh, so I think we need to take a holistic approach, and we, I think we really need to reevaluate how we think of transit and stop pigeonholing uh, transit as government trolleys and buses versus highways and just look at transit as a way to move people from point A to point B overall throughout the region. I, I want to move things along, but real quick, I, I don't hear you, you just... Uh discussing climate in, in your, in your uh, equation there. So let's stipulate that it is uh, economically inferior for one way or another. Um, how do we deal with the fact that we know the greenhouse gas emissions that it produces are astronomical compared to, to transit? Um, and this is, by all scientific accounts, a existential problem for the country and the world. Sure. So accepting that as, as the premise of the question, my, my response to that would be, 
that historically when you look at what has done the most to advance the per capita reduction in greenhouse gas emissions, has it been a change in mode of transportation from the automobile to a bus or trolley? No, it's simply been an advancement in fuel economy. Uh, that's provided the greatest reduction in greenhouse gas emissions. So if you're to ask yourself, well, what is more likely to continue as a trend? Uh, technology innovation moving us closer and closer to a, uh, a fleet of vehicles that has uh, zero greenhouse gas emissions or people suddenly switching their mode of transportation? Uh, I think, to me, the answer is pretty obvious. Uh, furthermore, for every dollar we spend on government-sponsored uh, trolleys and buses, uh, that takes away dollars that we could be spending to have better synchron synchronization for our traffic signals and also for our roads and highways, uh, which really should all be reevaluated. Uh, the environment's not benefiting when you have thousands of cars just idling on the highway, uh, emitting greenhouse gas emissions. So I think we need to make sure that our our transportation network that's carrying the 97.5% of all commuters currently uh, is operating at its highest uh, degree of efficiency. All right, I can tell everybody wants to jump in and, 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 and go back and forth on these things. Let me, let, I, I do have a, a starting point question I want to ask to uh, uh, Council President real quick. Um, so I, my premise initially was that there are many areas of San Diego and, and more than other cities that um, do not have land use and population patterns that traditionally support transit. You represent areas that do. Uh, City Heights has the population density right now to be able to uh, fundamentally support transit. Uh, you've spent a lot of time working in Barrio Logan. The truth, the same is true there as well. Um, has San Diego as a region done enough, and is it doing enough now, to bring transit to those places where it is viable already? Um, at setting aside the question of what we do for the region as a whole. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that question. And the question, the the, the answer is no. We haven't done enough, um, and uh, we haven't done enough. But I'm just going to pause there <laughs> because I do believe that even without not us not doing enough, we need to do the right thing right now, and that is create a system that is a real choice for riders. How many of you would have loved to take in transit to this school right now? But you didn't. How many of you took transit? Right, so there's your answer. If we are to build it right now, we would have more riders, regardless of should we build more housing? We need to do that because we do have a housing crisis. But that's a different conversation for a different panel. But for today, transit, the reality is that we have not created a system that we all would want to ride if it was there. That is the premise of this discussion. And I have to say, I, I can't help to, to um, put this out there for the mayor of Coronado, a city that actually provides transit for free for their, for their residents. I, I, I would say, well, why do you do that? Because there is a demand. So if we are to create a system that is easy, accessible, when it goes to where we want to go to, and is cost efficient, the outcomes are there. I mean, when we did um, free fare day for MTS, just one day, the numbers went up. Mm -hmm. So it, the, we shouldn't have this debate of, do we have enough density? We don't, we don't have enough density. We, there's a lot of room to, to do in our city and our region and different cities. There's no question about it. But for me, it's about the right now, we have the, 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 the demand, we have the, the importance of us doing transit because people want it. We just saw it really quickly here, people want it. And then secondly, we have a climate crisis, and we need to respond to that. And the only way that we can right now in our region, being that 50% of our greenhouse gases come from vehicles, and I'm sorry, the person that is cleaning Del Coronado is not going to get an EV electric vehicle because they cannot afford it. So there is an income and inequality in this whole conversation, and we need to acknowledge that. So no, the, the green vehicles are not going to resolve the issue related to greenhouse gases. The fact of the matter is that we have solutions, and those solutions are a transit system, and we need to invest in that.
Um, in, in response to Council President uh, Gomez, and, and this is this is why these conversations are great. And hey, I get it. I'm the uh, token highway guy up here. Uh, <laughs> someone had to do it. So and, uh, if and Scott autonomous vehicles, and token autonomous, autonomous vehicles, vehicles too. and uh, so if, if Scott Lewis is here, you owe me a drink after this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to beat up on you, man. <laughs> no, I, I do think this conversation is really important, and because I think, uh, unfortunately. In today's political climate, and I think it starts at the national level, but I think we can hopefully change the tide here at the local level, is that so many of these issues become so politically charged and emotionally charged that we can't really look at, look at these through an objective lens. And I think that's the biggest challenge we face. Uh, as it relates to uh, the council president's uh, question regarding, well, why do we provide transit uh, in Coronado? Well, we provide it on a very limited basis, on a very short portion of uh, on Orange Avenue, which is the main street that runs in town, and we provide it just three months of the year when we are most densely packed. Um, we provide it at no cost to uh, the people that ride it. This is a bad financial move on the city's part, and the survey data has actually shown that, but it's become uh, so important to the fabric of our community that we don't get rid of it. If we had a budget crisis one year, that would be one of the first items we would cut. Uh, fortunately, the city of Cornell is in a very healthy financial position due to you know, great financial management by the current mayor. Kidding, kidding, <laughs> kidding, kidding, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> and uh, so I want to piggyback off of um, uh, Georgette's comments about, uh, you know, how many of you would prefer, how many of you took transit here? The correct response is all of you took transit here. Remember, like, the definition of transit is moving from point A to point B. Uh, I'm curious, show of hands, how, how many of you arrived from the South Bay region? All right, so some of you. How many from East County, North County? Quite a few of you. Uh, the city of San Diego. All right. Now, the question for me as, as a board member, and I'm sure for the council president, is how do we use the limited financial resources we have available to us to move people throughout the county in the most efficient way possible? Providing a transit service to each one of you, right? So each one of you are coming from very different places throughout the region. Uh, so we're, we're geographically dispersed. The cost to provide transit service for each one of you to actually compete with a car is almost certainly to be cost prohibitive. Uh, for a quick example of this, the, um, the new trolley that's going from downtown San Diego over to UTC, right, the Midcoast Trolley Line, the cost for that one project is $2.2 billion. $2.2 billion. The projected ridership on the Midcoast Trolley Line and remember, these are best case projected ridership numbers that, to be honest, we rarely ever hit. Uh, the best case projected ridership number is close to about 17,000 um, round trip riders uh, per day. Uh, so when you take that and you consider that we also provide a large subsidy to the operating cost of the Midcoast Trolley Line, that comes out to be a cost of around $125,000 per rider. You could write them a check right now and then an additional $1,000 a year subsidy every year to every rider for the next 30 years. That's how expensive it is just to move people on a trolley from downtown San Diego to the UTC area. Now imagine providing that same level of service to every single person in this room that raised their hand that are coming from different geographical locations. Uh, so for me, I think we have to operate in, uh, we do have a lot of financial constraints, and I know Hassan's probably gonna to talk to that in a little bit, um, but so that's kind of the lens I see things through. All right. I, I want to toss I'm it over sorry. to I'm sorry. Can to I just say something? I yeah. have to respond to this subsidy reference because we subsidize highways. We're subsidizing free parking. We subsidize roads. So it's not just public transit uh, to make sure that we're discussing transit for what it is, which is public transit for this discourse. Uh, but we're subsidizing every form of movement in which we're moving. So if we're gonna start making decisions based on that, let's, let's not forget that we are subsidizing highways for vehicles. I, I, think, I, I think that's a fair point. I would also add, you know, you mentioned Uber and Lyft. Uh, Uber and Lyft lose money every single time somebody takes an Uber and Lyft. The only difference is the people subsidizing it are venture capitalists that are, for one reason or another, willing to light their money on fire. So, <laughs> uh, so, so just real quick though, when you consider that 97% of commuters are using the highways, it is true that the gas tax uh, money that's raised does not cover the entire cost of those highways, but the vast majority of those 97 commuters are also paying state income tax, which 
uh, do, and sales tax, which do support the cost of the construction of those highways and roads. So uh, if Council President Georgia Gomez will join me in saying everyone should pay their fair share for uh, the government services and goods they use, uh, then I would certainly champion that uh, we make sure that everyone is paying their fair share for highways. Well, I, I want to. I, I mean, I want. I want to. I want to let, let Paul get in okay. here. But 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 I, I just want to. I want to say one thing that that is interesting is, you concede that the that the Coronado shuttle that's offered in the summer months, um, is uh, you know, is doesn't recover its costs, but you're making that investment for other reasons, uh, quality of life, uh, economic development. There are other reasons to do things simply other than simply whether they pencil out from a pure dollars and cents perspective. I mean, no one expects libraries to cover their costs. I don't, I, I don't quite understand exactly why uh, that that specific rubric rubric is being applied here. But that said, the far side of the panel has has been talking for a while. Paul, <laughs> jump so in. So I, I did get one thing out of today. I can start calling roads government-sponsored roads <laughs> instead of government-sponsored transit on every comment. Governments, GAO estimates that only 55% of road costs comes through the gas tax, okay? So roads, airplanes, every form of transit is subsidized, and every form of transportation is subsidized. The big issue that we see in a place like San Diego is that doing away with transit would add at least 300,000 more cars if all those people could afford the cars. The highways would never be able to handle it. The highways right now can't handle what we're doing now. Our economy is growing. People are adding jobs in UTC and Sorrento and Kearney Mesa, and the highways are jammed. There's no more general purpose lanes going. We just spent $2 billion on the managed lanes on I-15. Okay, so you talk about the mid-coast costing $2 billion. I-15 costs $2 billion. I travel the I-15 every day. It's jammed. Yesterday, the carpool lanes were, sorry, I use my hands a lot. <laughs> People get me excited. Um, the carpool lanes were jammed. I, you know, I went as fast on the general purpose lanes as are on, the high, on, on that. So what are we going to do? We're going to add more lanes to that? You can't keep adding more lanes. It's been proven in, in induced demand, uh, induced traffic. And you talk about Uber and Lyft. The fact that they lose money is one thing. I just read a, a study yesterday in Chicago. And you can, you can take autonomous vehicles and everybody you can put them on the highways. You can run them at 90 miles an hour, two inches apart. That's great. When they get off the highway, all hell breaks apart. OK? City of Chicago yesterday uh, released a study uh, uh, mobility on demand, TNC's usage was up 271%. Miles traveled was up 350%. Chicago's gridlocked in the morning. Now they're talking about adding surcharges to it to reduce traffic because people can't move anymore. Uh, that might ultimately be great for transit in terms of shifting people more towards that. But our, our infrastructure is just not, it, it's at capacity, and we're not going to be able to build our way out of it. So, you know, I never advocate for get rid of all cars. You know, cars serve a purpose, and there's not everywhere that transit can go. But we can do a better job at taking 10, 15% uh, out of their cars and, and, and into transit, and that would make a world of difference. And in terms of the economics, you know, we, it, this, this uh, seminar is called Transit in the West. We match ourselves against every transit system in the West. We carry over 300,000 people a day. We almost carried 400,000 people on free ride day. Our numbers, it's, it's not, it wouldn't take three times. We, we, we cover over 40% of our costs um, through the fare box. So it would be, what, two, two and a quarter times in, in order to do that. Uh, everything is subsidized, so. Hassan, jump in, what do you got? Uh, a couple of things, one is, I can tell you, um, in my part of my life, I, I teach. I'm an adjunct professor. And I try to tell the kids to actually look at modes of transportation and look how they're subsidized. The most subsidized mode of transportation is the car. If I sat in my car, drove here today, if I were to be charged the full cost of that trip, I probably will think twice about using a car. If I pay for the health cost that I cause everybody else, if I pay for the productivity, and the mayor is right, we spend 55% of the transnet money, which is 14 billion over 40 years, 
So we spend over seven billion on transit. How many tens of billions of dollars did we spend building the interstate system and the streets and the sidewalks and the parking structure? Who pays for that? Not me. So therefore, I think it is a fair discussion. I agree with the mayor 100%. We should have a good public policy debate. But I do believe if we're going to go that way, know that at the end of the day, we're not investing anywhere near what we need to on transit. We need to invest more and subsidize it more. That's one. Number two, why don't we let Uber and Lyft? Uber and Lyft is losing 40 to 50% on every dollar, uh, cents on every dollar. And if every one of us is going to be running an Uber and Lyft, we're going to create more problems, more vehicle mile travel. If every one of us is going to have autonomous vehicle, we're going to create more problems. But let me just say, the idea that we are spread out, this is a favorite thing for people to say, we're spread out, transit doesn't work. If you live in North Park in San Diego, and you're driving on the five freeway north to get to UTC, the largest employment center in the region, and you're wondering where all these cars are going, one and two are going to, the, to UTC. So a transit system, a high-speed system, we don't need to take the 50%. We need to take 10% of that one and two. And then Paul would have five times the ridership he has. We never thought transit is going to be 30% like in New York. But if we do 10%, that's a great success story. Because 10% that we're going to put on transit is taken out of the highway and creating additional capacity. And the last thing is, with all due respect, for those people who say giving the, the, the math on the finances, we just Transit doesn't work. Fine, for a moment I'm going to give you that. Okay, transit. what can you do? You can't build more highways, not in California. And I believe I can give you 20 examples where adding capacity to a highway didn't work. It will work for a few months, and then we're back to where we started. Houston, 26-lane highway, the, most the biggest and the most congested in the world. LA. Since I work for Metro in LA, we kept adding land to the 405, the worst freeway in, in the LA region. Trust me on this one. We, we, I understand, if you have a better idea than providing a good, convenient, fast, frequent, transit, safe transit system, let's talk about it. But to think that we're gonna continue accommodating the car is not gonna happen. It's just not gonna happen not because of a lot of things. We already did, went over that. I think everybody says it. Oh, do you, Georgette you, and I wrote together. So, panelists? Yeah, yeah. We. Hold on. Uh, hold on. Please stop interrupting. Stop interrupting. Uh, so, I, I actually uh, don't mind getting to that at, at some point, but I want to move, move on something else. We, we do have transit near here. We're also, we also have a uh, quite a high hill here that, uh, that you'd have to, have to move up afterwards. And I think it's actually a, a relatively illustrative point about uh, uh, having a transit station being only one part of the, the, of the question. Um, but I want to ask Mayor Bailey, to the point Hassan just made, what do you actually want to do? do you know, he, he said there's no more room to build more, more freeways in California. If you take the funding that you don't want to spend on transit, what would you buy with it? Sure, so uh, a, a couple points just to tee this up. Um, when you look at when the, and Paul, correct me, uh, with, with the, uh, the color of line that runs from Santee uh, down the 125-ish, parallels the eight, and then hangs, uh, hangs south the Green? orange line. Green. Green and orange line, right? Green. Orange. Green, orange, blue. What, that line, you know, that line that goes from Santee uh, down the 125, roughly parallels the oh, eight, oh, and then hangs, uh, hangs south uh, into downtown San Diego. Uh, so when you compare the traffic congestion uh, on that stretch of 125 to 8 and 5 South, when you compare the traffic congestion before that trolley line was built to after that trolley line was built, you actually saw congestion increase, even controlling for population growth and comparing that to the amount of congestion that increased on all highways throughout the region uh, over that same time period. Uh, so you know, that trolley line did not actually re relieve congestion around the highway that it was paralleling, which you would kind of have expected uh, to see happen. 
Um, in terms of you know, what I think we should be doing with the money, well, I think first and foremost, we should be looking at, well, what are the market trends? Uh, what are consumer preferences? I think that the consumer preferences are telling us that uh, fixed routes on fixed schedules from fixed locations are no longer a preference of consumers. I don't know if they ever have been, uh, but now because of you know, emerging technologies such as Uber and Lyft that provide door-to-door -door service or for a discounted price allow you to simply walk a block or two, share a ride with someone else and provide an even lower price, uh, that to me seems to be the future of where transportation is heading. And I think that's going to be coupled with uh, advancements in fuel economy to where over the next 10, 20 years, you will be, you will be seeing uh, vehicles that are powered entirely by renewable electricity. You will be seeing autonomous uh, vehicles as well. The reason Uber and Lyft are losing so much money is because if any of you have experience in a private, private equity firm or, or venture capital, you know that in the early stages of development, it's all about customer acquisition. So they are spending billions of dollars trying to acquire more customers and they're spending billions of dollars in research and development into autonomous vehicles. Same with Amazon, same with Google. Like the, the notion that somehow that we won't experience autonomous vehicles in our lifetime uh, is, it's going to happen. It is just a, it's just a question of when. Uh, so if, you know, if I were king for the day, uh, I would say let's take our existing transportation dollars, uh, let's remove the bottlenecks on some of the highways that we currently have in the short term. Uh, let's exper experiment with pilot programs for the uh, bus routes that currently uh, have lower ridership to hopefully get those people from where they are now to where they want to go in a more efficient and economical manner. And I think we need to be really investing in uh, traffic signalization and also preparing our roads and highways uh, for the coming technology advances uh, with cars. So as cars become, uh, have zero emission vehicles or like, they'll likely be uh, uh, powered by electricity, we need to do everything we can to make sure our infrastructure can provide longer range options for electric vehicles uh, because that's one of the biggest drivers of people deciding not to purchase an electric vehicle is the range anxiety, that they can only travel 100 to 200 miles on an electric vehicle. We need to make sure we have infrastructure in place to increase that over the years. I'll give you a, a quick example, though, on the green line that I think is, is more germane to the point that the mayor was trying to make. If Green Line opened in summer of 2005, um, if anybody knew San Diego State before 2005, every media outlet in this city would go there on, on, on the first day of school, and they would all line up to watch the chaos. They would watch I-8 backed up for two miles. They would watch uh, the drive coming up, the exit, all jammed up, all parking gone within by 8 o'clock in the morning. The green line opened up that September, none of that happened, okay? And that's what happens when you put transit right where people want to go, and you run it frequent, and you run and you invest in it like that, then they have plenty of parking even still today. They do not have opening day chaos. The media doesn't even go there on first day anymore because it's not a story. So, Mayor, just, just regarding you said maybe Uber and Lyft, but remember, Uber and Lyft have to drive on some kind of infrastructure. And we can't build that infrastructure. Not only the laws does not, but it's not the right thing actually to do. And therefore, somehow we need to provide choices for people. I believe we need to provide those choices and they should be comparable. And we should charge each choice the real cost. And, and in that case, every one of us will take that choice freely based on our cost. But to say that we're subsidizing transit without getting into what's the real cost of making a trip in a car is, is missing the point. The point here is, I believe when people say, well, by the way, uh, some people's gonna say, well, you wanna attract people and you wanna charge them. They wanna attract you and I don't wanna charge you. But I believe if we want to debate truly the, the uh, a true public policy debate about the future of transportation, we have to get into pricing. We have to get into pricing. In Los Angeles, invested tens of billions of dollars in transit. Transit ridership is going down. 30 years we've been talking about it. And we brought UCLA into it and UC Davis. And finally, finally, LA said, okay, we have to figure out a pricing mechanism for the modes for it to work. That's what needs to happen here. I know politically it's not popular. I know it's, uh, you know, in the next board meeting I'm gonna hear about it. But the, bottom, <laughs> but the bottom line is, 
we have to look at this uh, honestly, and we have to have, uh, like the mayor said in the beginning, a good public policy debate about the issues and not be entrenched. But I honestly tell you, 30 years in this, in this business, transit system for San Diego will work much better than Los Angeles, much better than Seattle, uh, if we do it right. Well, I hope a lot better than Los Angeles. <laughs> Well, I, I hope we have time here. We're this taking, we're not moving as, as fast through some of the stuff as I thought we might. But um, I, I, I think you actually got to something there, uh, Hassan, that, that I, th I think is actually a, a big problem for San Diego, which um, is that it's very easy to drive everywhere. Um, the, obviously, I don't think that people think that's a problem, but if the goal is to get more people to use transit, I think it is. Um, I, I think, in, you know, in the middle of the day, or for instance, I, I play in a, in, a, in a basketball league. I get off work on Thursdays, and I drive all the way to La Jolla, and I uh, play in a basketball league there. It's 20 miles from my house. In another city, it wouldn't even be a consideration to look at a basketball league 20 miles from my house. Now, I do it because I've friends that live in North County and it's a halfway point for us and that's what we do. But to just randomly decide you're going to get in your car and move 20 miles across the, the major portion of a metro area in Washington, D.C. would be absurd. It would be absurd. No one would ever think to do it. And so, you know, you, you say um, that we need to make, make it as, as fast to, to take transit as to drive. I don't, I'm not even sure that the hardest part of that is is uh, is whether we have enough money to make transit do it. I don't know if it's possible to, to, to make it because driving is so easy. We have done a, the the success of, of building the freeway network here. Uh, it, you know there are costs to that, but it is very easy to drive wherever you need to go, even very long distances in this I in agree. this county. I agree, Andy. It it is very easy to drive. By the way, San Diego doesn't really have congestion. Not yet. Uh, I mean, uh, I, 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 no, I, I agree with you, and, yeah, and I, I, people, I don't think people argue do. with me all the time. I don't think but, you do. I yeah. think the congestion right now is maybe a couple of hours and a couple of freeways, some places. So overall, you don't really have congestion problems. And you're right, it's easy. But I am never advocating that we need to build transit for every single San Diegans, for all the 3.4 million people to get from A to B. What I'm saying is have a market to get 10% of those, to target 10% of those, 10% of the trip, Andy, because it's impossible to build transit exactly right. You're absolutely right. But if I build good transit from the North Park to UTC, and if I build good transit within the UTC, within the downtown San Diego, if I build good transit, really good transit, competitive on the 52, if I build a good system on the 78 to go to, to Oceanside from from Escondido. These are selective places where you could actually end up getting 10%. I never advocated that every single one here gonna have the same transit system, because it's not possible. But what's possible and what's achievable is a system that would at least be a choice for 10% of us. Georgette, you were uh, heavily involved in pushing for the Elevate San Diego ballot measure. What, what is the, you know, if you were stacking up your priorities that would go into that, uh, what, is, what, you know, are the immediate term things you want to see San Diego do to improve its transit system in a tangible way? Yeah, um, a couple of questions. I, I just want to add a little bit over the last question related to we've built our region in a way that we have made it easy for the vehicle. I think it's true, and I think it goes back to um, what Hassan is trying to get us to have a conversation at the board at Sandak, which is congestion pricing. And I think that's something that we should be getting to, but in order to get there, and this is where I see it differently, we need to build a transit system that would allow us to have that type of conversation first. Um, just like when it gets to the whole conversation of should we build more housing in transit areas and eliminate the parking requirements, those are all good things. But in order for that to succeed and not have the wrath of community members coming against it, we must build transit for it to really work. And that has not occurred. So we're seeing a lot of this, these are the right things to do but we haven't done them, and we're struggling to do them right now. 
right? Because if any of you go to our Friday morning Sandeg board meetings, you'll see that these debates are even greater. <laughs> That it doesn't allow that, us to way. move I've forward. I've been covering for a long time. It used to be a very boring place. And uh, yeah, like and no, no, no longer is that. Every <laughs> meeting is it's uh, fiery. That's for sure. Um, so, so, so I just feel that for me, at the end of the day, this is not about removing any highways, or it's not about removing and not maintaining or road infrastructure. It's about really providing a real, a real transit choice, public transit choice, um, which we have not done in our region. And that goes back to the original statement that Paul started. We have not given it it's enough, the, enough money to be able to do that. What does that look like? You're asking me for Elevate SD, which I'm very proud of what we were able to do and what we'll continue to do, because I do think it's gonna See, uh, 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 it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna come, and it's been very engaging. We've been talking to the business community. In fact, we came here to talk to the dean to talk about what are the possibilities, what should transit look like for this school, and the fact is that we just have one transit stop in this down, not that far from here, right? So that's not enough. But this is where we should be improving transit universities to the places that we go after school or after our work, which is what? The beaches, right? We don't have real transit to the beaches at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of our biggest jewels that we have is the ocean, and it's not really accessible. There was a, this activity that some of my residents from City Heights did not that long ago, which was they decided to take transit to go to the ocean, and it took them three hours from City Heights on a vehicle, it takes about, what, 15 minutes? That is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So what do, do, what do I wanna do with Elevate is improve transit to the key areas that we're going from places of work, places of school, and places of, of, of leisure. So we need to make, it, we need to make the system comp um, compatible to the vehicle. That's what I wanna do. I wanna see more trolleys. I wanna see more real BRTs, bus rapid transit. And even within that, I see some of my biker advocates in the, in the house. We need to also improve that system because it's link. Okay. Paul, there's an implicit, uh, I think, criticism of MTS in, in the, what we haven't done, right? That's the, the um, agency you run. And feel free to take exception to this, but my sense from my time here is that until very recently, MTS sort of saw its role in the transit system as um, being as, fish, as efficient as possible and to run a fiscally responsible agency and not necessarily uh, attracting new riders, expanding the share of the population that uses transit. Um, is that fair? And, and if so, why was it that way? And, and, or, or why am I wrong? Well, I, I think it's fair to the extent that we haven't been masters of our own funding. Mm -hmm. You know, we, I mean, we get formula funds from the feds, we get it from the state, but our, our real expansion dollars have come through Sandeg. And I've been through two transnet uh, debates, you know, since I've been here 15 years ago. And I mean, it was a struggle to get a third in transnet one. Uh, in, in measure A, um, it was up to 40%, but that failed. So, I mean, it, you know, we, 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 we do the best we can do with what we have. Mm -hmm. We're very aggressive on grants from the federal level. We're very aggressive in grants on the state level. When we just got uh, grants from the state to do a BRT from Otay Mesa over to Iris and over to Imperial Beach, um, we, we added the, uh, um, the, the courthouse station with, with state funds. We've been very aggressive in that. And don't forget, I mean, the system was opened in 1981 and it was opened on a shoestring. One of our big focuses has been state of good repair, mm -hmm. especially in Midcoast. When the feds come in and give you a billion dollars to build Midcoast, they want to make sure that you're taking care of the system. The system in San Diego is, is it has 100% of state of good repair. The blue line, we spent $750 million on brand new cars, brand new stations. All of that got upgraded. Our bus facilities are upgraded. Our fleet's been upgraded. So we've spent a lot of time in making sure that our system is sustainable going forward. 
but it's really the extra dollars that we've, and we've had it sometimes to add some, some money. When we got uh, uh, state transit assistance bump a little while ago, we spent several million in adding new riders. Uh, we, we, we totally looked at the whole system uh, over the last two years. Our ridership is growing now. Mm -hmm. uh, in August, we were up 4% in ridership, and I expect, I'm, I'm hoping that even when we get the numbers in September, having had a fair increase, we'll have a ridership gain too. So I, I think all the work that we've done to maximize putting service where the people are using it has been productive. But overall, it is a limitation in the number of dollars we have to expand. Hassan, uh, Paul just alluded to something which is, you know, I, I think in some ways a uh, uh, original sin of, of San Diego's rail system, which is it began um, not going to places where people lived and, and where they liked to go, but where rail lines already existed. Um, and a lot of the expen expansion decisions over the years have been driven not by weaving it through the areas where most people live and work, but putting it areas where it was cheapest to acquire right away. And I, I have to say, I, you know, we're still waiting for some of the details in Five Big Moves, but I think some, it sounds to me like some of those ideas are still going to be part of your corridor management plan. I, I mean, it, it seems to be modeled more off of the LA uh, expansion of transit than the Seattle expansion of transit, which is build lots of rail lines covering very long distances, moving people, um, yes, at high speeds, but but far, um, as opposed to Seattle, which really did it on the back of the bus. And, and I wonder, um, would it not be better to spend our resources, um, even if it's more expensive in the short term, putting transit directly where people already are? Uh, absolutely. Uh, and when you see the, the five big moves get completed, you're going to see all future transit going in the right places where people working and where w people will be living. And that will also get into what kind of urban form, what kind of land uses we're going to have in the future. I believe that one of the reasons that we didn't put transit where people live and work is because it was politically hard to do it in certain places. That's why we're proposing some of this system be underground to make sure it goes through the right places, uh, and, and it's going to be more expensive. So to that point, uh, you're not going to see Sandag 2021 plan put a system just because it existed. Yeah. You're going to see it because it, we think it should be there, and that might be, again, cost more, less. But one, one thing I want to say, the last 70 years uh, in our country here and in this region, no different, we spend doing everything around the automobile. Period. We develop that way, we build our houses that way, we do our activities that way. I think the next 70 years, we need to reverse that. And it's gonna take that long for the urban forum to adjust. That's why I believe investing in transit today is really critical for regions like ours. All right, we are over time, but uh, Mayor Bailey, you have been uh, the, as you say, token highway guy. <laughs> you did a, a good job. Uh, taking fire from all directions. I, I do have one last question I want to ask you, though. You mentioned autonomous vehicles. Uh, you say it, it would be foolish to think that these aren't going to come in our lifetimes. Uh, the Zook's CEO, who's an autonomous uh, vehicle uh, company, came to a Sandag retreat earlier this year, and he, obviously somebody who's in the industry, believes in the industry, said uh, that it would be 30 years before the, you know, the popular conception of autonomous vehicle as something you call on demand and it takes you where you want to, picks you up right where you are, takes you right where you want to go. That's 30 years from now. What do we do in the next 30 years? And that's stipulating that he's right. That's stipulating that he's right and that's stipulating that we can guess the implications of those, trans, those transportation decisions now and prepare for it. But what do we do for the next three decades? I do think that's one of the challenges we face when we're deciding where to allocate our resources is that I think all of us can acknowledge that we are on the cusp of some type of technological revolution as it relates to transportation. We've already seen the beginnings of this uh, with Uber and Lyft. I mean, the thought of having uh, an on-demand chauffeur uh, showing up at your home and carrying you and your guests to where you want to go <clears throat> just a few years ago was you know, unfathomable. No one, no one would have imagined that. 
Uh, technology tends to move at a quicker pace than we originally anticipated. Uh, so that doesn't concern me as much, especially when you consider that a lot of these projects, the, Mid the Midcoast comes to mind, that's been in the works for a couple decades now. So when we're talking about transportation changes, major transportation changes, Hassan said it's going to take 70 years to implement this plan. Uh, you know, I'd be willing to bet that within that time period, we're going to have autonomous vehicles uh, become ubiquitous. Uh, and I, I do want to just w one last point. You know, there is this, uh, some of you may have heard of this survey. It's from a highly reputable source uh, called The Onion. Uh, it, <laughs> Uh, it, there was a headline a few years ago that n it, the headline was 97% of survey respondents approve of uh, public transit for someone else. And th that was the headline. Um, and it, it's always really resonated with me because I'll be the first to admit, I would absolutely love to be able to hop on a, a trolley just that's parked right outside my door and make my way up to USD and then make my way to go visit Andrew and go play basketball with Andrew. If you need a power forward, count me in uh, and go to my work. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, is that that's extremely expensive, and we are dealing with financial constraints, and we have to take all of this into account when we're making these decisions. All right, that's got to be the last word. Thank you to the panel, everybody. We didn't even get to the airport. Unbelievable. Thanks for listening to this special episode of the Voice of San Diego podcast. Make sure to keep an eye on our podcast feed this week. We'll be posting other panels from PolitiFest, including the hotel tax debate and our discussion about California's housing supply. And, of course, don't forget to join us for our weekly roundup of local news every Friday afternoon on the Voice of San Diego podcast.